Hello, you're listening to the Auto Wrench Podcast. If you found us on our website or SoundCloud, you can find us on iTunes or any podcast app like Podcast Addict by searching Ottawa Wrench. We've got a lineup of interviews coming soon, including an independent MP candidate in the recently vacant Ottawa Vanier riding and a representative from the Center for Social Enterprise Development. They should be really interesting and fun, so keep an eye out. If you found us through our podcast, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook um, at our website, ottawarench.ca. We're a media company based in Ottawa, Ontario that focuses on issues of homelessness and chronic poverty. Today is our uh, today our guest is Joe Roberts, who is doing the Push for Change. We've written about him in the past, and we've uh, interviewed him for the paper before, but we thought it would be neat to have an audio phone-in interview with him, too. And it was pretty neat. He was walking while we were talking, and I just thought that was, I thought that was very cool. Uh, if you'd like to support the Ottawa Wrench, you can find a link to our Patreon in the description and donate monthly any amount you'd like. We currently have an arrangement that if you donate $5, I will send you a box of soap nuts from Euthenic. They're a really cool product for laundry. They are a nut that grows in the Himalayas that has cleaning properties and is hypoallergenic. Uh, I use it myself and it works perfectly fine. It's also a lot cheaper than detergent at $15 a box, which gets you about 50 or 60 washes. If you donate $30, we will mail you a copy of our newspaper at every publication. Without further ado, here is the interview. Hey everyone, today we are speaking with Joe Roberts, uh, also known as the Skid Row CEO. He's an author, entrepreneur, uh, professional speaker, and now he's walking across the country in a project known as the Push for Change, and you're in Thunder Bay now, right? That's correct. I'm, I'm actually got the sun on my back. Is, I think as I look to the left, I can see uh, the sleeping giant and uh, Thunder Bay, yeah. That's Here incredible. We are. That's one thing that I really wanted to ask you about. I mean, uh, aside from you know the great project that you're doing, just the fact that you're walking across the country must be an amazing experience. It is. It's not without its challenges because we we're basically walking over uh, Lake Superior from February 1st. Mm-hmm. We started in uh, Sault Ste. Marie and we're just now walking into Thunder Bay. So if you can imagine the last. Uh, month and a half has been traversing some of the most treacherous highway in Canada mm-hmm. uh, during some of the most treacherous weather. But you know what? Mornings like this where the ceiling is 30,000 feet, we've got the big bright moon in front of us, so we've got these different hues of pink and purple as the sun rises just up over Lake Superior. is just fantastic. And, and uh, we've seen, uh, you know, hundreds of scenes like this from the you know, sunrise of eastern shores in Nova Scotia to yeah. uh, watching the sunrise over the valley of St. Lawrence as we walk through Quebec. Um, yeah, many, many wonderful memories of this country. I love geography and that of it. Yeah, that's amazing. And you, and you still have, uh, about how much, how about how far do you have left? Well, today's day 300 meet, so we have 199 days to go before we reach Vancouver. So that'll put us into Vancouver September 29th. When we walk in county side, uh, kilometers wide, I'm not sure what it works out to. I think it's around just a little over 3,000. Today we're we're uh, just for 5,800 kilometers walk, wow. and uh, we have when it's complete the the track is 9,141. So whatever the difference is there is what we've got left. Okay. Um, so uh, how about you tell us about uh, why you're doing the push for change and uh, sure. what you're trying to accomplish? 
Well, I was marginalized. You know, as a young young man, I uh, lived on the streets of East Vancouver. I struggled with addiction, mental health, and homelessness. Now, it didn't start out that way for me, Joey. I, I grew up in a very normal, kind of middle-class family. I had an older brother, younger sister. Grew up in a little town called Midland. And ended up, you know, one of those statistics, one of those... 200,000 plus individuals who ends up on the street and, mm-hmm. and I was used. So I was, I was particularly vulnerable to a number of other things. And, uh, never in my wildest dreams as a little boy growing up in Midland, Ontario, did I think that I would be a heroin addict mm-hmm. living to Georgia street viaduct in the town east side. Mm-hmm. But that's what happened. And sadly it happens to, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in this country every year. And when we look at how to solve it, you know, public engagement and raising awareness is absolutely key to shift the conversation our policymakers and decision makers to invest in areas like housing first and prevention while supporting the emergency services sector. So my story turned out well. I ended up having a mom that wouldn't quit. I came back to Ontario. I had an interaction with an OPP police officer one night when I was suicidal, and that police officer diffused a very dangerous situation for both me and him. And that opened a doorway for me to go to drug treatment, later to college. And in the last 12 years, I was on the Canadian business as a celebrated entrepreneur. What's interesting is inside me that whole time, was that possibility. I just needed help. I needed support. I needed people to be on the Once I got, you know, a handle on it, my life took off. So uh, 12 years after I entered treatment in college and all that good stuff, I had achieved, I was 35 years old. It was an amazing experience. And, uh, I wanted to do something to pay it forward. And I began sharing my story in a transparent way with a conservative business group mm-hmm. and things. And I found that when I was able to explain to people what homelessness is and what it isn't, that it's anyone, it's, it's not bad people, it's bad circumstances, things like mental health. Nobody asks to have mental health challenges. Nobody asks to have addiction challenges. Mm-hmm. And so generational poverty, early childhood trauma, sexual abuse, these are not things that people ask for. Okay. And so you know, my personal experience, when I think, you know, do you imagine going to a hospital in this country with a heart problem or a stroke or diabetes and they say to you, well, we're really sorry, we're going to treat you because you behaved your way into that that health issue. Yeah. You ate candy and you ate, you know, you ate fast food. So we're not going to help you because we feel you, you kind of deserve the situation. Yeah. They kinda, you see that? That's, yeah. It's ridiculous to think that way, but that's actually how we treat the most poor and vulnerable people in this country. And it's, it's, it's not good enough. Yeah. We had a, and, an article in the, in the first uh, wrench where we talked about, uh, we looked into a comparison of uh, the issue of homelessness versus having cancer, and uh, homelessness is actually more deadly than cancer. So it's it's just crazy. Yeah, exactly the way that you're saying it. You know. Well, and I think that there's this this 
misnomer uh, that the person with cancer didn't deserve their disease and the person with homelessness does. Yeah. And that, I would, that I would challenge that worldview because, you know, those of us who are in the sector or with lived experience um, know that certainly isn't the case. And it's not to say that overnight we're going to solve this issue. This is a process, not an event. But what we can do better is support services, prevention models, and housing first, giving people the hand up and out. And when we do that, we actually begin looking through a pragmatic lens that not only serves the individual, but it serves the community, the province, and the country. Because let's face it, homelessness is an expensive ticket that all taxpayers in this country pay for. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to dramatically reduce that stress and strain, but you can't, uh, you can't do it by ignoring it. So we wanted to do something that would have people not ignore the issue of homelessness and specifically youth homelessness. And so I thought, well, I like sharing my story. I do it in a, uh, an inspiring and transparent way. Why not go across the country? And, uh, and, and uh, what we needed to prevent, reduce, and end these homelessness. And so my friend on an airplane ride said, why don't you run across Canada? <laughs> and I, I said, why don't you run across Canada? The, the notion of running across Canada didn't appeal to me. I'm a non-athlete. Never really wow. been a very sporty guy. I was, at the time, 46 years old, out of shape, four pounds weight. But then he said something so cool. He said, want to push a shopping cart, man. Yeah. Nobody's ever done that. It's a symbol of chronic homelessness. And you know what? When I talk to elementary schools, and we've had hundreds of presentations across the, you know, across the five provinces that we've walked through, and you can ask a kid in grade two, what is a, what is a shopping cart? has to do with homelessness, and they get it. Wow. They, they, they go, yeah, that, that's that frightening scene that you see in the inner city where someone's maybe dealing with some mental health and they've got a basket full of stuff, or maybe it's, you know, they've got bottles to collect, or maybe it's all their worldly possessions. Yeah. Um, and so here we are. We dreamed it, and we got into action. We got great sponsors from the United Association of Canada, the unionized pipe fitters, and we got a van donated from my friend Jerry Wood at a Woodridge Automotive and, a, and an RV, Fraserway RV. And we got partners like the Ontario Provincial Police, City Police Forces, and, and we began a relationship with Dr. Stephen Gates from the Canadian Observatory and Melanie Redmond from Away Home. And, those were the big conversations that we had because when we began chatting with those two I asked the question from a business perspective, how do we solve this? And if you really want to answer that question, you need to look at research. You need to Sorry. take a look at... Um, there was just a little bit of cut in and cut out. What was the, what was the question that you asked? The question I asked was, how, how really solve this issue? Okay, yeah. And when I'm talking to Dr. Stephen Gates and Melanie Redman, these are smart people, and they're connected to even more smart people who gather evidence, who gather research that helps shape policy. They understand the issue, not from experience like me, from gathered data. And if we're going to change things, we need to make on research. Yeah. All right. And that's the government spends money, by the way. They're not going to 
know, you can play all day long. Point to something pragmatic, sustainable, long term. They're simply not going to jump in with you. So when I began ch- chatting with them, we take we took a look at what are some different things that we need to do to make the shift to prevention models and housing first models that, that are tailored to youth-specific needs. What are some of the exciting uh, um, practices that we're seeing in different parts of the world have worked? And we landed on a, on a piece called the Upstream Project, which is a youth-based home prevention model that works inside the school system. The best place uh, to support young people is when they're still sitting in a classroom. 99% of all homeless youth were sitting in a classroom before they ended up being street involved. Mm-hmm. So we said, all right, let's do that. And away we went and we, we got our great sponsors. And then we, we brought on our friends from the UP who are also vested in the, the investment of Ontario youth and safety, community mobilization. And, and here we are, you know, 5,800 kilometers across the second widest <laughs> country in the world. And, we didn't know if we would have an impact, and we certainly, we certainly have. Yeah, and so uh, the last time we spoke to you, it was uh, the end of September, and you were in Ottawa, and you were already telling us how uh, much traction you were getting with the whole project. Uh, I imagine now that you've gone through the whole southern Ontario, it's just, how is that going now? Well, we've raised $125,000, so the, the money's been good. But I think probably more exciting is how we've had conversations with mayors, with provincial leaders. We were received in Ottawa. We were received in Queen's Park. But more than just going into chambers at Parliament and having them read a, a few nice words to support you, mm-hmm. we're talking to the members of Parliament. Mm-hmm. We're sitting down with guys like Johnny Diclo and Minister Adam Vaughan and we got a chance to visit and, and, and share briefly at the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness where, you know, a lot of policymakers and decision makers are. Mm-hmm. And what I'm encouraged is our current government is serious about investing in prevention and housing first. And, and we're going to see, I, I, I'm certain we're going to see some very exciting things before this year is out. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of, uh, of things coming up like... Um uh, universal uh, basic income and uh, housing first strategies and, and that sort of thing. I wanted to talk a well, little just, bit. Yeah, Go just ahead. yesterday or the day before, uh, Minister Chris Ballard announced an additional $100 million pledge with 20% of that going to uh, towards Aboriginal uh, uh, chronic homelessness needs. And so you look at those kinds of things. Now, you know, the push for change walked down University Avenue onto the steps of Queen's Park with the good minister and with Sophie Koala, MPP from uh, Kingston, and with a number of other MPs. We got a chance to go in, into Queen's Park. Now, I don't know how much the, the, the push for change contributed to those choices and decisions, but it's nice to know that the work that you're doing is, is, uh, is resonating in these very exciting and positive announcements from that provincial government. So these yeah. are all good things, right? Yeah, it really feels like, um, I mean, with that, with our existence too, uh, the newspaper, it seems like there's a growing consciousness of the, the problem of homelessness and how we have to tackle it pragmatically. 
Well, do you think that maybe in the, in the next few years uh, homelessness will be a platform issue at elections? One can only hope, and that's why we exist, is that, look, if it's not being mentioned, mentioned in cabinet, okay, in cabinets where, you know, the MPs get together, if we're not on their radar, mm-hmm. you know, and just think about it this way. There's no national cricket sports teams in Canada. Yeah. You know, there's no Canadian national. Well, maybe there is. No, no, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm, <laughs> I'm going know. to annoy the association. <laughs> yeah, all the cricket fans. But what yeah. I mean is, there's compared to hockey or, or basketball, or yeah. football. And the reason it doesn't exist is because there isn't a demand for it. Yeah. Yes. But yeah. could there be a demand for it? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe if you know a notable Canadian bought a team like Wayne Gretzky and said, "Hey, let's do this," it might gain traction. It might not. Look at. Look how soccer has taken off in this country. My point is this, is that money and politicians follow that which is popular. Mm -hmm. So make it popular. You know, that's what Free the Children did with youth empowerment. They made it popular. And that that brought corporations, that brought the the We Day movement to a feverish height. And it empowered kids right across this country and around the world to do things that are cool to help others. I think that we want to continue to push for change to make it a platform issue. Uh, and how we do that is we, don't, we need to move outside of just the sector, Joey. It can't be just people that work at, you know, work at Frontline or people who work in mental health that are advocating for this. We need the general public to care about this. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I'm walking in minus 20 degrees in Thunder Bay yeah. is I want people to care about this issue. I want them to understand what it is, and I want them to understand, you know, how bad it sucks to be 14 and to be street involved mm-hmm. because they can't get along. Or the parents are maybe they're dealing with some addictions or some, you know, some deep abuse stuff. So, yeah, and if we can get enough young people and enough people behind it, then maybe we to the place where it becomes a platform issue. We'd love to see that. That's for sure. Well, hopefully this discussion will uh, get a couple of ears perked and, and listening into that uh, that world. Well, and I think that we need to, you know, we need to rally around. We need to bring, mm-hmm. you know, we need to build it up as a brand. One of the things that I recognize is that the, uh, the shelters, the frontline agencies, with the exception of a few, don't really have the capacity for public engagement. In other words... You know, they don't, they don't have an arm of their organization that says, let's go out and get in paper, let's go out and do this, let's go out and do that to get attention to this cause. They're busy dealing with the crisis day in and day out. So their world is very zen. The challenge is, is that the hundreds, if not thousands of organizations that we've connected with across the country are as invisible as the homeless they serve. Now, that's not a judgment. That's just a perspective as a business guy. It's like, you know, you come through town and somebody says, hey, do you know ABC agencies? I'm like, no, I've never heard of them. Yeah, that's very interesting. No, they've they've been around for 35 years doing this great work. Wow. So then my question is, how many other people in this town don't know know the good work they do? We came through to St. Marie. When we left, we got a letter from a business owner, and they said, we had no idea that Pauline's place existed. We had no idea that youth homelessness was an issue in Sault Ste. Marie. And because you've inspired us, we want to do a golf tournament every year 
going forward. And next year, our goal is to raise $15,000, and we're going to give it to this agency. See, that's awareness. You, you, what does a shopping cart and a guy with lived experience have to do with changing? You've got to get people's heads wrapped around what this is, get them to feel it, touch it, understand it. And if you can get that to happen, you can change the world. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's just great. I I agree with you 100%. That's really what we're trying to do here. Um, it's a little bit harder than than uh, it might seem, but uh, I think we can do it. Well, I think if if everyone collectively does it, you have to be passionate. You have to stay committed on the days that you want to give up. You don't think you're getting any traction. Look, there's a lot of days during this last, you know, 318 days walking across the country where you uh, you don't throw the towel in. You don't feel like you're 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 making enough headway, but you just keep going, and uh, collectively, all the little things do add up. Well, um, I think we'll wrap it up. I'll, yeah. uh, uh, so how how can somebody uh, go and donate to you uh, for the push for change? Can they do it online? Well, they can. Yeah, they can. They can help us in a number of ways. Financial donations are always appreciated. You can do that at thepushforchange.com. You can set up a chimp page. We've got a number of different things happening on uh, September or sorry, September, March 30th. We're doing a sleepout challenge. Uh, we are in Thunder Bay heading west, so anybody listening to this in Western Canada, if they want to come and walk with us, come to an event, they can do that. More importantly, though, I think it's ask the question, what can you do locally? What agency could you support? Is there an organization that needs something in your community? Do they need beds? Do they need a dishwasher? Find out what, what gifts do you have, what talents do you have. Go and support, get involved, roll your sleeves up. Uh, the more engaged you become, and the more engaged all of us become, the closer we get to a place where we can prevent, reduce, and end homelessness. And lastly, uh, they can follow and track all our social media, our Twitter, our Facebook, our Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff. It shows the journey, all the uh, fun and exciting and inspiring things that happen along the way. So we, we look forward to seeing people online. That's great. Yeah, like uh, retweet some of their tweets. Uh, go and have a conversation with your friends about it. Um, yeah. Well, thank you. It's been absolutely fantastic to speak with you. I wish you all the best. What are you doing? Yeah, today? Thanks, Joy. Have a good one. Yeah, I think, I think, yeah you too. Take care, buddy. <laughs> well, the farewells were a little bit jumbled up and awkward, but beyond that, I think that was a pretty good interview. Uh, sorry for uh, the lack of sound quality, but that just had to do with him uh, running through Thunder Bay on the phone. Um, we're going to put some resources in the description if you want to go and uh, delve deeper into uh, helping your local homeless community uh, and uh, helping out with all that. Um, credits uh, for the music go out to Ryan Drummond, who has a pretty cool social enterprise project of his own um, called Project Fortune, and I hope to have him on the show at some point. But uh, this sh- the song is called Reflections in the Rain by Ryan Drummond. Thank you very much for listening, and have a great day.